Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandian. If I were to ask you today, what is the most stupid sin you could commit? You'd probably say not receiving Jesus as Savior, but there's one after you're saved that God calls stupid. We're going to find that out today. Want to join me? Let's go to the Word of God together. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Bob Yandian. Hello, welcome to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. Great to have you here today. Why don't you turn with me to Mark chapter 4. We're going to take a look at verses 16 and 17. These uh, verses in Mark chapter 4 simply define the four types of ground, the sowing of the seed. But I want to really pull out one of them here. And that's the ones that stone on, sown on stony ground. And so this is the one that uh, comes to church and uh, looks around, doesn't really listen to a whole lot of things that are said. We're glad they come to church. We keep throwing the seed out there for them, but trust they will eventually start to take care of those stones in them. The next one will take care of the thorns and the next one, you know, they'll get past the cares of this life and all the other things and come to good ground. And this is the purpose of why. Listen, the word of God is what changes us if we'll let it change us. Uh, just because a person is born again and going to heaven doesn't mean they've arrived. No, in fact, after the new birth really comes growth in the things of God or what we call discipleship. Salvation comes first, then discipleship. And so discipleship is really the renewing of the mind, learning to think like Jesus does. And when you see problems, instead of attacking them the way you always have, no, you look at them different because of the word of God. And so in Mark chapter four, let's take a look at verses 16 and 17. And while you're finding them again, thanks so much for joining me today. And I just enjoy teaching the word of God. If you haven't been able to tell, I kick it off the moment I get started going straight into the word of God. I love it. This is my call in life. And I'm glad that you're called to watch me too. Some of you are called to watch me. Some of you know the moment you watch me, you say, ah, there's a connection there. But others, you just like to watch it. And so again, I thank you for watching. Thank you for those of you that are sticking with me. Those who have through the through the numbers of years that I've been on TV, just again, thank you. And welcome to the new ones that are watching today. If you'd like to become a partner with me after you've listened to the broadcast, perhaps even a day or two, you keep on listening to it, then go to my website, bobyandian.com. I'd love for you to become a partner with me. That's how I get things accomplished with the call of God that's on my life, me doing the teaching of the word of God, but others joining me so that this thing can take place and other people can hear and listen. Thank you so much. It's because of you. I've been able to grow, get new, you know, go on other stations, buy new equipment, uh, work here in the studio and get the things set up in the studio that you see. Again, I want to thank you. You guys are a great, great blessing blessing, and you'll never know until eternity just how much of a blessing you really have been in my life. Mark chapter 4, let's take a look at verses 16 and 17. Likewise, these are the ones sown on stony ground who, when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and they have no root in themselves. That's because of the rocks that are under the, sto under the ground, and so endure only for a time. Afterwards, when tribulation or persecution arise for the word's sake, immediately they are afraid offended. What this says is these people come to church wide-eyed, anticipating great stuff. Oh, I found the answer to life and don't realize that even though it's a church and even though there's a pastor up there, the word of God's being taught, you're still surrounded by people. And just like you, they have to grow. And so you have to give again, you know, thank God for his word. It's perfect. Thank God for God. He's perfect. Thank God for the preaching of the word of God, the revelation of the Holy Spirit. That's perfect. But everything beyond that, the pastor is human, the music director is human, the 
youth director, human, all the way down the list. And so when they come to church one day, they might get their feelings hurt. Someone says something that they don't like, and immediately their whole perception of Christianity falls, and they base it on this one person that they got upset with. And so immediately it says that they receive it with gladness, but they only endure for a short period of time. Why? Because when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, notice Satan hates the word coming into your life. He sends demons. He sends birds your way to try to take the seed. It goes on to say immediately they are offended. What we note in this verse of scripture is their problem is they've been self-centered the whole time. They think, I mean, they found the answer, which is the word of God. They found the answer, which is a great church, but they're still coming out of based on themselves. And so immediately when they find that other people have problems, their whole, their whole attitude drops. They begin, I thought, I thought Christians were perfect. No, we're not perfect. We won't be perfect till we get to heaven, go through the judgment seat of Christ. In the meantime, we had a lot of growth going on. It says immediately they are offended. And so offenses to me are the number one reason why people get upset in church and people leave the church. An offense is a surprise. It contradicts your perception of a person and challenges your confidence in them. An offense can be real or it can be perceived, but it's usually perceived. We usually throw out years of trust in a person when one offense comes. And now we think, oh my gosh, I didn't know this about them. And we begin to paint that, you know, 50, 60% of their personality is all made up of this. We don't really give them the benefit of the doubt. You know what? When something comes up in your life, you like people to give you the benefit of the doubt. I mean, you're quick to admit that you're human, but you don't want to see humanness in other people. So again, you'll oftentimes throw out years of trust when one offense comes. When you take an offense, you become critical. You become self-righteous. You lose your joy. You lose the true perception of looking at other people. Instead, look at them through love, looking at them through the word of God, looking through forgiveness. No, you lose your perception and it's like putting on glasses. Offenses can become glasses and you see the whole world through your fences. No longer do you see them in the love of God, the power of the word of God and forgiveness. No, now you see them through your offenses. And because the youth director did this to your son or because the music department didn't see the right songs you like, or the music's too loud, or the music's not loud enough. Immediately you put on your offensive glasses and you begin to think, oh, I bet the staff gets together and thinks of people they can ignore in church. I had a woman come to me one day, walked, and we, I was in church. She came to me and she said, I'm upset with you, Pastor. I said, why? I haven't even talked to you. She said, oh no, you were in the, in the uh, aisle last week and I walked right by you and you didn't even say anything. You didn't even look at me. And I thought, I, I, my first thought was, I don't remember you walking by me. And the other point was, I try to remember what happened a week ago, and I had just come through a time in our church life where one of the best women in the church, one of the best ones in the church had died. And as far as I was concerned, she shouldn't have died. She was young. And as far as I was concerned by the Bible, you know, his stripes, we were healed, but yet she still died. And I didn't understand it. And so my whole thing was, you know what? You know, I, I really didn't stop to think that. I didn't try to explain myself. I just told her, I'm sorry. I didn't want to get into all those other things. But what happened was an offensive, again, she saw it through glasses now. And once she saw that a week later, she was still upset for me because I didn't say hi to her in the aisle of the church. 
And so again, you have to stop and think about, have you ever done that? Have you, is your mind ever been on something else and somebody get upset with you? If it can happen from someone toward you, then why do you let the same thing happen from you toward other people? Why don't you walk in forgiveness or attempt to understand they have problems too, and perhaps they have been sidetracked, or they could be they were so wrapped up in what they were thinking they did not see you walking down the aisle. So again, we have to come back to it. We need to walk in forgiveness one toward another. And listen, the Bible says that we are to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit of God in faith. In other words, walking in unity takes work. It takes hard work. And that's why we are to, again, come and have that endurance to where we work it through. And the Bible talks about that's our main responsibility in the church. Why do we need to walk in love one toward another? Because the flesh doesn't want to do that. And people have problems and people are just people. And we need to understand, even though Bill and Susie have been born again, they still are Bill and Susie. They still have their flesh. They still have a natural understanding that slowly they are coming into the mind of Christ, thinking more like him, but give them a break. Perhaps maybe you're not as high as you thought you were or have reached the goal you thought you had and neither had they. And so finally what happens is if you don't turn loose of an offense, it becomes your security. You hang on to it. And there's always an opportunity to be offended. Luke chapter 7, 17 and verse 1 says, it's impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. It says, it's impossible for you not to have times where you can be offended, but stop it before it gets to that point. An offense is a molehill that gets magnified into a mountain. It's a small thing that gets blown up in your perception toward other people. There are three types of offenses found in the word of God, and we're going to mainly deal with the third one today, but the three types of offenses are this. Number one is a direct offense. Someone offended you. Something was said to you or about you, and it may be true. This is criticism, or it may not be true. That's hearsay. But you don't know when you hear it. You don't know if the person actually said this or not, but immediately you believe it was done. It could have been a look from somebody else, their body language, or just a quiet disregard toward you, and immediately you became offended. The second type of an offense, against the first one, is a direct offense. Someone offends you. The second one is a given offense. You offend someone. And this comes from either intentional criticism toward them or unintentional criticism toward them, or you said something to someone that somebody overheard and it was taken all out of context and they went to the person you were talking about and now you have to explain yourself. So again, there's a given offense, a direct offense, a given offense. The third one though is a borrowed offense. You accept someone else's offense. This is the easiest to accept. As far as I'm concerned, that's why I call this. It's the most stupid sin in the word of God. All, all, you, this has nothing to do with you. Borrowed offenses are stupid. Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 19. I'm offering my book on Proverbs because most of the verses I'm gonna take up are found in the, in the book of Proverbs. And Proverbs deals a lot with borrowed offenses. Borrowed offenses are stupid. Proverbs 20 and verse 19. He who goes about as a talebearer reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with one who flatters with his lips. Psalm 15 and verse 3. He who does not backbite with his tongue, nor does evil to his neighbor, nor does he take up a reproach against his friend. This verse is telling us in that last phrase, nor does he take up a reproach against a friend. This is a borrowed offense. Let me tell you what a borrowed offense is. It's someone is talking to someone else and you hear it and somehow become a part of it. And all of a sudden you're upset with a person you've never met. 
all of a sudden you hear this and all of a sudden you're just angry at someone and you start to carry that about and actually begins to affect your thinking, affect your attitude, and you find yourself not being happy or, or, or content in the things of God anymore, your mind is wrapped up again with this. And that's why it says in Psalm 15, 3, not to take up a reproach against a friend or borrow a reproach against a friend. Proverbs 26 and verse 17, he who passes by and meddles in a quarrel that is not his own is like one who takes a dog by the ears. You know what this verse is saying? You know what it's like to take a dog by the ears. Some dogs like their ears scratched, but there's some you start, and man, they'll bite you. And this is what it's saying. It's taking a chance that you're gonna get bit. This is taking someone else's offense and making it your own. You believe a friend? You believe a stranger because of a story they shared and you become angry with a person you've never met, spoken to, and failed to get the other side of the story. And this is what's being brought up here. What I'm saying is we're getting ready to go in the break right here. We're gonna come back and take up from this point is so many Christians, again, have borrowed offenses because it's so easy to take. You've only heard one side of the issue. You don't know, in fact, you don't even know the person, but yet you don't go and search out their side. We're gonna find out from what the word of God has to say. It's wisdom to go and check out the other side before you make a decision. This is what makes wisdom for leaders of nations, leaders of businesses, leaders of homes, or even leaders in in your own life. I'll see you as soon as we get back from the break. Many Christians are quick to confess all that they are, all that they have, and all they can do. They appear to overflow in knowledge of righteousness, healing, authority, and many other spiritual truths. Yet for all this spiritual knowledge, many of these same people are foolish and unlearned when it comes to the practical things of Christian life. As James said, my brethren, these things ought not be so. The book of Proverbs is a prime source of the wisdom we need for daily existence, and a close study of it is well worth our time and attention. Attention. In Proverbs Wisdom for Today, Bobby Andine discusses what wisdom is, its benefits, how to find it, where it comes from, and how to receive it in order to help you live a life of wisdom. To order Proverbs Wisdom for Today, go to bobyandian.com. Theology Simplified is a practical guide to foundational biblical truth. Basic doctrines are not difficult, but easy to understand. They often become disguised as complicated or deep-sounding words, but the definitions are simple. Pastor Bob makes complex theological concepts clear and practical. Eight crucial doctrines of the Christian faith are demystified. Redemption, justification, sanctification, reconciliation, predestination, election, propitiation, and glorification. These eight precepts, essential for all believers to understand, come to light as you read and arrive at a deeper understanding of the finished work of Jesus Christ. To order Theology Simplified, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit bobyandian.com and click on partnership. Let's go back to Proverbs 26 and verse 17. This is the verse we left off with. I love this verse, look at it. He who passes by and meddles in a quarrel that is not his own 
is like one who takes a dog by the ears. This verse is saying you reach out and some dogs like to be scratched on the ears, some do not, but you reach out and you're taking a chance that you're gonna get bit. And again, this is taking someone else's offense and making it your own. Again, it might be a friend that's talking. It might be a stranger that's talking, but you overhear what they're saying. And because of a story they share, you become angry with a person you've never met, you've never spoken to, and you fail to get their side of the story and you just believe what's going on and you walk, you, I mean, you walk away from them. That's all you can think about. You get in the car, that's all you can think about. This poor person was hurt by somebody in the church or hurt by some Christian. And all of a sudden you built this whole thing up and you often find this, if you'll go and talk to the other side of the issue, you'll find out it wasn't at all like these people were saying. That's why don't explode easy. Don't get, uh, you know, don't get messed up easy. And you're thinking about something. Stop and think for just a moment. If I really am interested, in this, I will go and check out the other side. I have a minister friend who's since gone on to be with the Lord, Dave Duell, and he happened to be in Australia one time, and he was at this, this place where there, and there's kangaroos all around. He went up to a kangaroo, and that kangaroo was sitting there, and he just thought he was going to scratch its ears. He thought he'd just reach up and scratch it. Well, the moment he reached up to scratch his ear, that kangaroo went back on its tail, and with the two rear feet, kicked him in the chest, knocked him way over against a tree. He fell down. He didn't break his chest, but he said it felt like it. He said for weeks, his chest was so in pain. He had a hard time breathing, had a hard time moving. And he simply said, I learned a lesson in that. Well, what's happened is you reach out and start to grab a dog by the ear or especially a kangaroo, you're going to get hurt. Then you look stupid when you hear the other side. What's even worse is you believe it, you spread it, you talk about it, you get angry about it. And when you finally get to hear the other side, then all of a sudden you look stupid because you know what? It wasn't anything like what you heard. You believed one side of an issue without going to the other side. Proverbs chapter 25 and verse eight says this, totally in line with these verses, do not go hastily to judge for what will you do in the end when your neighbor has put you to shame? When you find out the other side of the issue, you're gonna look stupid. In other words, when you hear something, bite your tongue. When you hear something, grab your attitude and say, do not make a decision till you talk to the other side. Proverbs 22 verses 24 and 25 says this, make no friendship with an angry person. Do not go with a fury man, lest you learn his ways and get a snare to your own soul. Angry people only hurt themselves. Most of the time, they never check out the anger. Most of the time, they never go to the other side and find out what's going on. You may think you can help and are soon drawn into a conversation, into an argument, and after a while, you cannot separate your emotions from the real issue that's going on, and then you develop a root of bitterness. And all the time, it has nothing to do with what's going on. Listen to me very carefully. When you believe one side, you've only heard one side, and this person over here that you haven't talked to yet, you realize something, they're controlling your life and you don't even know it. They don't even know it. They have no idea. They're living their life and not knowing that you heard something wrong about them and they're living and you're living in anger toward them, bitterness toward them, and they don't even know. In essence, you're letting somebody control your life and that person doesn't even know it. Why don't you get it straightened out? Either ask the Lord to forgive you and forget the whole thing and say, Lord, if you want me to know more about this, you bring it to me. In the meantime, all this stuff I've heard, I'm gonna just ask you to forgive my attitude. And if it's true with that person, what they're saying, then I ask you to forgive them. But Lord, I'm not gonna let that affect my life. I have a life to live. I have people to minister to. And Lord, I've got a, a ministry you've called me to. I don't have time to meddle in what something else is going on in somebody's life. You know, there was a woman that came to me one time in the church 
And she started talking about her husband. And I mean, within five minutes, I was thinking, this guy's one of the, this guy's terrible. She talked about his anger. She talked about his, his emotional outbursts. She talked about how she, he would yell at her. He didn't trust her in anything. And she was really leaning toward getting a divorce from this guy. And so she went on and on. And I said, wait just a moment. Let's stop for just a moment. Cause I was really getting angry. I mean, I was angry at a man I'd never met. I was upset with this guy I'd never met because I believed her side of the issue. And I said, why don't you guys come in for some counseling? And I said, just come and talk to me for if nothing else. And she said, and so I said, I'll have my secretary get hold of you. She did get hold of that. They both came in to see me. And when I met the guy, I mean, he hadn't been talking five minutes. I thought, this guy, this isn't it at all. And the moment I, I said, well, she brought this up to me. And he looked at his honey, is that true? And she goes, well, and she began to realize, and she began to tell, well, I did exaggerate. No, I know you didn't say that, but I, yeah, did you tell him that? And she said, yeah. And he goes, why did you tell him that? That isn't even true. And I began to see something. There's always two sides to an issue. And by the time they left there, I mean, she was so settled down. Without his presence, she was bold to talk about him. But with him next to her, she was more truthful. You may think you can help and you're soon drawn into a conversation. Again, separate your emotions and you will not develop a root of bitterness. If I'd have left that thing, never talked to him, I'd have probably seen him from across the church and my first thought would be, you evil man, not even knowing anything about him. Again, it comes back to, this is what God is trying to tell us here. Don't pick up somebody else's problems. Don't pick up somebody else's bitterness. And above all, don't take that to yourself and let it become a part of your own life. Again, what happens is you will have bitterness toward people you don't even know. Proverbs 29, verse 22 and verse 23 says this, an angry man stirs up strife and a furious man abounds in transgressions. A man's pride will bring him low, but the humble in spirit will retain honor. This verse says, don't walk around angry. Don't walk, we call this having a chip on your shoulder. And this chip on your shoulder means you're just waiting for somebody to knock on somebody to mention something about something. Or the moment somebody brings up somebody else, they'll say, you know, Bill, there's kind of a nice guy. And your first thought is, no, he's not. I know the real truth about him. But you've never, ever gone to Bill to make sure what he's talking, what you've heard is correct. A man's pride, it says, will bring him low, but the humble in spirit will retain honor. Humility and humbleness says this, I've heard bad things about him, but you know what? I've had bad things in my life. Also, I've had things in my life that people have told others that weren't true at all. I mean, there's been times I have been, the people have told stuff about me and I go, where in the world did they get this? I remember there was something spread and it really started with the press about our church, but said that me and my associate pastor had $7 million in the Cayman Islands. And that, you know, this is what, and we'd planned on one day running off the Cayman Islands. And my, my associate came to me one day and said, did you hear this? I mean, the newspaper actually said this, that you and I have $7 million in the Cayman Islands. And I said, then what are we doing here? We ought to be in the Cayman Islands on a, on a beach somewhere, enjoying ourselves with all that money that we have there. The point of it was we had to laugh about it. It wasn't true. You know what? Those types of stories eventually fall away. As it was said one time in a movie one day, today's newspapers line tomorrow's trash cans. So that's how long the news lasts. But we get all upset about this and all what are people going to think about this thing? And the point of it is it'll be over soon. The truth goes on, but lies eventually die. And honor goes on. That's why the humble in spirit will continue to retain honor in this verse of scripture. Proverbs 18 and verse 19, a brother offended is harder to win than a strong city and contentions are like bars of a castle. In other words, what this verse says is the moment you get yourself into a place 
where you're offended. You build bars around yourself. You build a city around yourself and people can't get through to you. You think you're right. You think everybody else is wrong. I've sat with offended ministers and heard gossip about other ministers. And I'm thinking, where did this come from? You haven't even talked to him. They'll talk about some man with a television ministry and begin to run him down. I said, have you guys talked to him? Have you even found out if this is true? Well, no, but so-and-so told me and I trust them. What you're getting done right there is you have a borrowed offense. You've taken it from someone else. Proverbs 25 and verse two, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings is to search out a matter. You know why God conceals matters? Because he knows the truth. Why can God conceal a matter? He knows everything. He knows about this party and this party. He knows the truth behind everything. And God will usually conceal something, but People don't know everything. And that's why God says, I can conceal a matter because I know everything. I'm omniscient. I know every problem, every answer, every cause, every effect. I know all the stuff that's going on. You don't. So what I'm telling you is, if it's my glory to conceal a matter because I know everything, it's your glory to go find out a matter because you don't know everything. Why do I need to go and search out a matter? I'm not God. I'm a person. I'm a human being. And as a pastor of a church for years, I'd have to go find out if the other side of this thing was true. Here's what I often found too. Somebody would come and tell me something. I said, have you found, have you talked to that person? Well, no, but I just know it's true because people are talking about it. I said, who all's talking about it? Well, I wouldn't tell you. In other words, what they're saying is, I don't know if this thing is true or not, but I'm not gonna tell you who started this whole thing. And I've told him, in fact, I've told this quite often. I'm gonna go, well, I said, then why don't you go that person? I will not go that person and talk. I said, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna go tell that person exactly what you said and get them together with, because if you won't go to them, I'm gonna have them come to you. The Bible says, if you have ought against your brother, go to him. But it also says, if you know your brother has ought against you, go to him. I said, I'm gonna arrange for you to get together. And man, you'll see them back up and get mad and all this stuff. And sometimes won't even come back to church because they don't want to handle the situation. They don't want to sit down with the person that they have an offense again. An offense brings suffering and destruction. First Peter chapter four and verse 15 says this, let none of you suffer as a murderer, as a thief, as an evildoer, I love this next phrase, or as a busybody in other man's matters. There's people in church that just love to hear what's going on in other people's lives, whether it's true or not. They just love to hear the latest gossip going on in church. I think every neighborhood has this. You know, there's some neighbor there that knows everything going on in every life and will tell you real quickly what's going on in their lives. And they know, if you ever wanna know what's going on in the neighborhood, just ask them, they'll tell you. Because in other words, their life is built on knowing about other people. And so this verse is simply telling us that again, let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or an evildoer as a busybody in other man's matters. Did you notice this? If you are constantly digging into other people's lives, believing things about them without going and checking it out, the Bible compares you to a murderer and a thief. God said it all begins in the heart. Murderer doesn't start with you stabbing somebody. It starts with anger and bitterness in your heart towards somebody else. This thief part simply comes along and says, you're stealing something from somebody else. And that's trust and honor that you're taking from them. It may not be like stealing a car from them or money from them, but it comes back to honor is one of the most important things that you can have. There was a story 
that I heard from a missionary and he was in the jungles. And he told about this story. He said that the, the way they catch monkeys <laughs> in this story, I, I'd never heard such a thing. He said, the way they catch it is they have a box and, and the box has bars across it so that you can just big enough to reach your hand on the inside. And inside the box, there's a red stick. And this color red really fascinates monkeys. So they reach in there and grab it. And when they grab it, they can't pull it out because they can't get it out past the bars. And once they do grab it and their fist becomes bigger, they can't get their fist out. So they try every way they can to get that thing out there and they can't get it out. And they will stand there while you beat them to death and they'll scream and they'll yell at you. But the point of it is they will not turn loose of that stick. And that's often what happens when a person has an offense. They grab hold of that offense. They will not turn loose. And all around them, Satan's beating them up. God's uh, you know, people around them are beating them up. They're just not willing to listen to reason on the thing. And actually they will die with that offense in their hand. What am I saying about you? The same thing is true when you pick up an offense from somebody else. It comes back to this. Satan is pounding you. He will eventually kill you. Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 3, it's the honor of a man to stop striving. So we simply come back to this. That is the fact. Don't pick up somebody else's offense. Turn loose of it. Get it right with God. Live your life as unto the Lord and listen, fulfill the ministry that God has for you. I'll see you tomorrow. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. Visit bobyandian.com. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.